Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of January 20th through January 26th. All right. This week, we have the sun ingressing into the Saturn-ruled sign of Aquarius, uh, a square from that newly ingressed sun to Uranus and Taurus in the very early degrees, um, a couple Venus aspects that we'll explore. Uh, the Venus is going to be sextiling Jupiter and Capricorn from um, Pisces, and it's also going to be making a square to Mars at the very end of the week. We also are going to have a sextile from Mercury to Mars, and of course, a new moon in the first decan of Aquarius. So that's what we've got on the table for this week. A couple planets ingressing into new decans. Uh, the sun, of course, will be moving into the first decan of Aquarius. Um, we'll talk about the Five of Swords a little bit. Um, Venus will be moving into Pisces II, which is associated with the Nine of Cups. And Mercury will be moving into Aquarius II, associated with the Six of Swords. So we'll spend a little time with each of those as we go forward with the forecast this week. All right. Essential dignities. We'll get right to it. Get down to business. Uh, the sun is moving into the first decan of Aquarius this week where it is in its exile. Uh, we will talk about that a little bit more as we move into Monday and the weekly or the daily. Um, but generally, the sun is going to be at its kind of weakest point. Um, it is not a comfortable place for the sun. Uh, Saturn generally is associated with the concept of exclusion, according to Robert Schmidt, and the sun being selection. So this can, you know, a lot of the things that we think about with Aquarius, uh, modern astrology is associated with Uranus and being the outsider and the rebel and things like that. But in the, in the traditional system, a lot of our Aquarian meanings are coming from that uh, that lack of dignity that the sun has in the sign of Aquarius, being kind of the outsider. Um, remember, we had a, a, a concept of the wall in Saturn-ruled signs, right? Boundaries. And in Capricorn, we could think of that as the things that were inside of the wall. Well, with Aquarius, we're going to be thinking about everything that is outside of the wall, things that are maybe ostracized from, from being part of the inner circle, so to speak, people who live on the fringes of society. Uh, and this gives us a unique perspective, which allows us to have a, a little bit of objectivity and to be able, sometimes when we're outside of the system, we can get a better picture of how the system actually works. And those are some of the, the voices that are advocating for, for change or positive change. So this is one of the things that we'll look at when we talk about the sun in Aquarius. Uh, the sun will be on the terms of Mercury uh, from the first seven degrees of Aquarius, and then moving into, uh, it's going to stay there for this week, but it's in the face of Venus. So we've got a couple different uh, colorations to our solar energy for the week. Jupiter is in the second decan of Capricorn, where it is still in its fall, where it's kind of at the bottom of the wheel of fortune. And remember, we had two different types of, uh, I guess, debilities, right? Exile and fall. And exile was, uh, according to my teacher, Adam Alambas, who was very, or Achuta Bhava, sorry, I sometimes get confused with that still. He changed his name after he got initiated with Bhakti Yoga, which is pretty cool. And uh, he, he speaks about two different types of oppositions. 
and the exile being of the nature of the sun and Saturn, and that those are oppositions where they're um, less reconcilable. They're not. They're not, they're kind of like diametrically opposed. Where the uh, the fall and the exaltation were of the nature of the moon, which it goes in a cyclical fashion, where you kind of have uh, a little bit of each opposite in each other's. Um, uh, in the opposition where they're kind of flowing into one another. And Jupiter is in that kind of s- lunar type of debility right now where, uh, you know, there may be a little bit of the opposite within within uh, where it's experiencing its energy right now, um, whereas the sun is going to be in, in kind of that, that diametrically opposed type of debility. Uh, so that's something to think about. Um, Jupiter will also be still in its own terms from 7 degrees to 14 degrees. Remember, it lost dignity uh, by face last week as it moved into the second decan. So a um, little bit of a challenging position for Jupiter right now, but you know that's what sometimes the planets aren't always going to be doing everything that we want them to do 24-7, 365 days a year. Sometimes planets in good shape, other times it's it's not as happy as it wants to be. So that's just life, right? Uh, Saturn is in the third decan of Capricorn in its own domicile and in its own terms from 22 to 26 degrees. So a very strong Saturn still. So Saturnian things are, are supported. Things like creating boundaries, uh, the, the law of entropy, of decay. Um, we're going to be really feeling time in general and you know maybe reflecting on our own mortality or our own um, aging process. I know that's been happening with me. I, I, it's my daughter's 16th birthday today, so that'll help make you question your mortality a little bit sometimes when your kids start to grow older. Um, so yes, very Saturnian. Uh, Venus will be um, moving through the first decan of Pisces where it has exaltation. Triplicity during the day, it is the diurnal uh, ruler of the water signs, um, triplicity ruler that is, where it has kind of communal support during the day. It'll be on its own terms from zero to 12 degrees. And then it'll be moving to, into the second decan of Pisces where it retains exaltation and triplicity rulership, but it will not be on its own terms as it moves into the terms of Jupiter from 12 to 16 degrees. So that's one thing to look out on. Uh, remember, a planet on its own terms is able to kind of set the curriculum or set the etiquette necessary to, to utilize that planet's um, energy in the, in the most efficient way possible. So um, when Venus is on its own terms, the qualities of grace, of manners, of being able to harmonize and beautify things are, are supported. Uh, and when it's Jupiter, things like truth, um, integrity, expansion, abundance, all of those things are, are kind of the language that Venus will be speaking. Um, I think that when you have a two benefics kind of in each other's terms or whatnot, that can be beneficial because it's, they're, they're sort of related. They were said to be planets that were life-giving in the traditional system, right? Conducive to life uh, in the medieval system that was associated with warmth and moisture, whereas the qualities of coldness and dryness or excessive heat in relationship to Mars with the two malefics, uh, of course, the coldness and the dryness being related to Saturn were um, antithetical to life, right? Were kind of things that were not conducive to, to the growth of, of crops or of life itself. So those are some uh, certain ways that certain astrological authors were, were thinking about this.
Mars will be in the second decade of Sagittarius this week in the terms of Venus where it is peregrine. So uh, still a little bit of challenge with Mars and, and especially as we, we look towards that Mars-Venus uh, square that happens at the end of the week. That's our one kind of big difficult aspect this week beyond the Sun-Uranus square. Uh, Mercury will be moving through the first decan of Aquarius at the beginning of the week where it is the triplicity ruler in the nighttime of the air signs. Uh, it'll be on its own terms from zero to seven degrees. And then it will move into the second decan of Aquarius where it retains the triplicity rulership at night, but it also becomes the decanic ruler or the, the, it has rulership by face in the second decan. It will be on the terms of Venus from seven to 13 degrees and then Jupiter's terms from 13 to 20. So remember when we had a planet that was on, uh, in the terms of a benefic, it, it's a little bit of a more lenient teacher, right? Uh, our communications may be a little bit harmonious, more harmonious this week than they would be if we were on the terms of a malefic like Saturn or Mars, generally when a planet moves to the final degrees of a, of a sign. So get while the getting's good. Mercury gains some dignity this week and should lead to innovative ideas where we're able to see the big picture. And we'll discuss that a little bit more as we go through our dailies. Uh, the moon this week is waning from in, in its, uh, we'll start off in the last quarter phase and move into the balsamic phase where it is, is becoming very dark. So we're getting closer to the dark moon and then the new moon towards the end of the week. Uh, so this is a waning moon where we're releasing things. This is a time to consolidate everything we've learned over this Saturn-Pluto conjunction type of cycle that was happening, excuse me, a week ago, right? Uh, hopefully you've survived all of that. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you've survived maybe a little bit uh, battle-weary, but you've, you know, we've made it and hopefully learned some things and hopefully things are, are going well for you now. Or if they're not, you know, uh, just wait a little while. The, the planets continue to spin. Um, and remember that Saturn-Pluto conjunction was part of a much longer term cycle. So it's, it's not just one thing. It's going to be a, a part of a much longer term narrative in your life. So uh, that's, that can be uh, challenging to think about, but also it can be comforting too, that it doesn't have to be one particular thing. This is part of a longer term growth cycle or not just a growth cycle, but a longer term letting go as well with Saturn and Pluto involved. Okay, but we're going to be waning towards that new moon and consolidating everything into something that will be that we can carry with us into the next cycle, releasing what no longer serves us anymore and carrying with us what we need to move forward. Uh, the moon is going to be moving through Sagittarius in the beginning of the week where it has rulership by face in the second decade between 10 and 20 degrees. It will then move into its exile in the sign of Capricorn. Uh, where it does have triplicity rulership at night. The moon is the earth uh, triplicity ruler at the night, in the nighttime. So it ha does have a little bit of communal support, but it is not really very comfortable in a Saturn-ruled sign. Remember, the moon was associated with light. And Saturn was associated with darkness. So when you give uh, the moon um, the resources of darkness, that can be a little bit awkward, right? Okay. Uh, the moon will be moving through Aquarius. Uh, where it has rulership by face at, in the third decan. Uh, and then it'll, at the very, very end of the week, it'll move through Pisces, where um, the moon is the cooperating ruler, but other than that, there are no dig other dignities for the moon in Pisces. All right, let's take a look at it here. 
I'm going to share my screen. Okay, hopefully you can see that now. This is Monday, January 20th. Um, as I mentioned before, we're starting off in that last quarter moon phase and moving into a balsamic phase with, with the uh, less than 45 degrees of arc between the moon and the sun. So this is the moon releasing all of its light and coming back into the furnace of the sun. This is a time where we can lose some steam. We may not feel like starting new things. We should be finishing things up and really just kind of clearing the decks for the whatever new uh, divine assignment is going to come through the, the birth channel of, of this earthly existence. Uh, at 4.39 a.m., the moon will be sextiling Mercury, uh, six degrees of Sagittarius to um, Aquarius. Uh, at 8.20 a.m., the moon will be making a square from uh, Sagittarius again to Pisces. You can see that here with the, the square to Venus. Okay, this may be a little bit of a preview of our um, of our Mars Venus square, we should be feeling that now uh, as it's coming into. It's just going to get a little a little bit more intense as we go through the week. You can see that this is actually really one of the big the big things that we're experiencing this week is the tension between Mars and Venus in the two Jupiter ruled signs of Sagittarius and Pisces. Um, now the the thing that is extra challenging about this is Mars is a has a quality right now um, a, a traditional quality called overcoming so when we're looking at aspects between planets in a traditional way we want to see which planet um, is a little bit stronger and in this case it's going to be mars is in kind of the position that may have the upper hand even though venus is is more dignified uh, this Mars is in what's called the superior position. It's closer to the midheaven here. Um, it is. Uh, it's. It, you can think of this as a, a car chase, right? And in this case, Mars is earlier in the zodiac and chasing Venus, right? And in this case, Mars is the bad guy chasing the good guy, maybe, and has the ability to shoot these bullets or arrows, arrows in this case of Sagittarius, right? So we've got some evil centaur on the on the trail of this uh, gentle Venus in Pisces. So there may be some kind of um, oh I don't know brashness or or animal type of uh, nature that we have that is creating some conflicts within our relationships where we're maybe getting angry or there may be some anger issues or anger management issues. There may be some. Uh, desires that are running rampant where we want to take action in the world but this venus wants to be receptive so we've got this this natural conflict between action and receptivity masculine energy and feminine energy um, so this is something we're going to be experiencing over the course of this week and of course it's very important that you go and look in your chart to see which houses this is manifesting in in this particular chart this is an aquarius rising chart Mars is in the 11th house of groups, and it's creating a square with the second house, Venus in the second house of resources. So there may be something where you're part of a group that is, is maybe draining your resources or creating issues for you financially. And this can be moved to any house in the chart. So take a look at, at whatever your rising sign is and wherever Mars and Venus are going to fall in your particular chart to see where that conflict may be playing out. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get 
for more forward into the week because that's not going to perfect until the end of the week. Um, the other thing, the other uh, lunar aspects of the day, uh, the moon is going to be conjoining Mars that day as well, and the moon is going to be making a square to Neptune. Now, this is another thing that we want to keep an eye on over the course of the week is Venus is coming into a conjunction with Neptune. That's actually going to happen on Monday of next week, not this week. But this may be part of the challenges as we've got this Venus-Neptune conjunction where we may have some unrealistic expectations in our relationships, especially our love relationships, but any relationships in general. And that may be part of what's causing the conflict with Mars there, right? We want to take action. We have a certain set of belief systems where we want to do something active in the world, but there may be this kind of illusion that we're trying to work through with uh, Venus and Neptune getting together there, okay? Uh, so that's going to be, we're getting previews of that on Monday because of the moon activating Mars. So you're going to maybe see the initial seeds of that conflict coming to a, coming to the, to fruition on Monday and coming into being and then us working through it as a challenge through the rest of the week. Okay, the big thing of the day though, really, is if we move forward here about an hour or two, is we see here, there we go, that the sun is moving into uh, the diurnal domicile of Saturn, Aquarius. Okay, and that happens at 9.54 a.m., very early in the day. And it's going to be joining with Mercury. So the, there's going to be a very mercurial quality to our, our solar identities over the course of the week where our thoughts may be, um, you know, we may craft our identity through mercurial things, um, which could be through the way that we communicate, the way that we use our skill set. Um, our objectivity, because we're, we're working with a, uh, a Saturnian sign here. Um, remember, this is where, where we f may feel like we have to leave something behind. And I want to talk about the transition between Capricorn 3 and Aquarius 1, because I think this is really instructive. So I'm going to stop my share for just a second here. And we're going to take a look at these two signs. So we had... Uh, Capricorn 3 was the four of pentacles where we had the throne, right? Where the, it was the, the sun was the decanic ruler of that particular face. It was still being provided resources by Saturn, being in Saturn's domicile or on their property, so to speak. But it, it, we had the appearance of this solar quality to it where we were trying to manage uh, what we had created materially. Now, when we move to from an earth sign, this was cardinal earth into fixed air, right? We, we are seeing a little bit of a dispersion of that solidified quality and moving more into the idealized realms. And the ideals that we may be manifesting may be a little bit outside of the norm. Uh, you can see that in this, this uh, card, Five of Swords, there is some sort of conflict that happened. And there is a winner, and then there are a few losers walking out uh, into onto the frontiers of society. So, there you may be the the smug winner, or you may be the disgraced um, person who who lost the battle, and and that may be forcing you, or by choice, it might be by choice to move towards uh, something different. And this may be this is where we get the feeling of the the exile. Remember the sun, we can think of the sun as being uh, 
very the sun is very weak in the middle of winter here we're we're in the the very uh kind of the coldest time of the year the sun if we look at our if i share my screen again here now you're not going to be able to see it on my chart but i'm just going to draw a, a little horizon line here right so in the summertime at the summer solstice the sun takes this path that's very like high in the sky right and you at, at the noontime the sun is very high up and it appears you know it's giving us extra warmth based on the tilt of the earth well in the winter time that angle is very uh it's a lot lower in the sky so that's why i, I have a, a south facing window big bay window and in the middle of the day the sun is just like blaring right in my face i can see it's blinding whereas in the mid in the summertime it's way above the sky it's it's still warm but it's not shining directly in the window so you could see that the sun is kind of weak right it's it's lower in a lower position it's kind of exiled it's not exalted as it would be right in the um now, I don't want to mix my terms. Uh, the sun's exaltation is actually in Aries when it, we see the return of the power of the, the light, right? The, where the daytimes start to become longer than the, than the uh, nighttime, okay? But we can see that the sun has a lot of power uh, when it's higher up in the sky, right? And we can feel its warmth. And at this point, the light is, is weak. It, it, when the sun is in a Saturn-ruled sign, uh, the darkness is raining, the, the solar light is weak, the, the nighttime is very strong, uh, death is kind of solidified on the earth, um, nothing's really growing right now, the vitality of things has gone internal, okay, our, our solar vitality is resting, this is a, a resting phase for us and we're gathering new ideas so that when springtime comes, we will be able to plant fertile seeds. So this is a great time to, to hover above your life and to see what is working and what isn't from a very, uh, from kind of, oh, I don't know, the perspective of like being in a helicopter and seeing your life from all its different perspective, perspectives and how all the different pieces fit together. This is the gift of the sun being in Aquarius. Um, now, the, the, the downside of this is you could feel like you're you don't you don't feel as much energy uh, we we may feel isolated this is a time especially in the in the midwest of the united states where you don't see your neighbors very much it gets pretty cold and you know you may feel like you know hiding away in your cave so to speak depending on what kind of social life you have um, I, this is just my experience cuz i i don't go out that much and i see people even less when it's cold cuz it's you know we're just you know trying to stay warm and go outside less and do do less social things at least i do i'm not that social to begin with but maybe this is a great time to get to get back in touch with some of your if you have friends online or things maybe there's unique uh, eccentric ways you can connect with people that could be a way to not feel so isolated um, but remember saturn is that quality of exclusion so you there may be a part of your life where you're feeling a little bit like the the exiled person uh, austin cabot calls this deck in the first decan of aquarius the mark of exile um, the other names for this card five of swords were defeat uh, so this is where you are feeling like you may have to go searching for some sort of new meaning some sort of new reason to keep on doing what you're doing you have to give up the power of the throne remember we saw the person on the throne and like i said it could be voluntary or it could be that you have lost a battle and you are uh 
now needing to find um, new resources on the fringes of society, okay? Um, this is a very fixed area of the zodiac, right? Everything is, is frozen, okay? But, but we're looking for, uh, we're looking for, um, oh, what are we looking for here? We're looking for ideas where things can be seen Hold on a second here. This may be a time where you're feeling like you need to break with the herd, so to speak. This is something that Austin says in his book, 36 Faces, where you may need to work outside of the established system to, to create some sort of forward movement in your life. So don't be afraid to, to have an eccentric idea, to maybe do something that is outside of the of the norm and that may help move you forward with this with the sun in this position okay let's share our screen again here tuesday the 21st the moon is going to be moving from sagittarius uh spending most of the day in sagittarius and then moving into um, Capricorn at the very end of the day, like 11.59 p.m., almost almost the very beginning of Wednesday, still in our balsamic phase. Interesting to note, there is no, uh, there are no exact um, aspects on this day. Uh, there will be nothing that is perfecting, not even a lunar aspect. So that's very rare to see. Uh, what we are seeing is, is um, Venus moving into the second decan of Pisces, okay, towards the evening hours. You can see that happening here. There, at 10 degrees of Pisces in the evening around, I don't know, 8.20 p.m. or so. Uh, and this card that we look at with a correspondence is the Nine of Cups. And the Nine of Cups is called uh, happiness or the Lord of Material Happiness, Austin Coppock calls it the net. And in it, we see a figure that it seems like he's found some sort of satisfaction with the cups of attainment uh, lined up on a table behind him. He's sitting in a very stable position there, it seems. Um, and this is very, this is, has a lot of contrast from the other card that we saw in the first decade of Pisces where someone was leaving material things behind in search of some sort of new spiritual meaning. Now, this is uh, a... What is the ruler of this? I believe this is the Jupiter-ruled face. So this is where we see one of the benefics um, in, in another benefics decan. And that is a, a very fertile type of uh, relationship between them. Um, this, is, this is spoken about by Austin Kopic about finding harmony be between the idealized spiritual consciousness and the, the reality of your life. Uh, and you could have some high expectations when it comes to that. When we idealize things, it's sometimes it's difficult for us to, to manifest that in reality. And that can be something where we can get a little frustrated with, the, with things not matching up. Um, and this can be especially true with our relationships as we uh, see Venus being the one that is subject, subjected to this, this energy. Uh, it's drawing upon Jupiter qualities right now. We can see here that Jupiter is the one that's providing the resources for Venus, okay, from a position of weakness in its fall, but it is 
aspecting Venus, that is a good thing. So it's always difficult when a planet is, does not have contact with its host. If, if Jupiter was here in Aquarius or in Aries or in Leo or Libra, it would be in a, a condition called aversion. But since there is an aspect, a, a, a line of sight between Venus and Jupiter, Jupiter, even though it's weakened, is able to provide resources for, for Venus. So that, that, I would say, is a positive thing. Um, it may not be as as awesome as it could be if Venus, or I'm sorry, if Jupiter was in better shape as it was when it was in Sagittarius, but we're working with what we've got here, okay? Okay, so be careful not to over-idealize your relationships. Uh, try to manifest from a position of... Uh, maybe slightly lowered expectations, I guess, would be the way to go with this. You don't want to, you know, not ever have any goals or, or expectations. But with uh, Jupiter in Capricorn here, you might just have to be a little bit more pragmatic and practical with what you're trying to achieve. Because uh, Venus and Pisces, especially conjoining Neptune here, can, can really maybe have us put on the rose-colored glasses, so to speak, and really idealize things. And we, we're going to have to bring a little bit of that Saturnian practicality into bear. Okay, that'll save you some of the pain of the gap between what you want and what is the reality of your situation. I talk about this in my creative classes, like when I teach songwriting and things like that. Um, the gap between your taste and your desire and your skill set. And it's really the same thing with the gap between uh, your, your Venusian um, uh, oh, aesthetic, okay, and the reality of your situation. And really, the way to close that gap uh, in a creative sense is to do a lot of work. And that's what Jupiter is asking us to do right now is to do the hard work. Uh, and, and really, it's what Saturn asks us to do, but that's how we're going to expand is through doing the Saturnian work, right? Uh, and so that's something that you can keep in mind. If you want to get closer to your ideals, you've just got to buckle down and kind of get to it. And that's really going to be what's going to help us to move forward in our lives. And if you set more realistic goals for yourself, you're going to feel less of the pain of that gap being so wide. So you can close the gap with two ways, by working really hard and maybe setting more realistic expectations. So that's how I think that we'll be experiencing um, this exalted Venus here. All right, Wednesday, the 22nd. Wednesday, the 22nd. Still that balsamic moon. The moon is in Capricorn now, and the moon's going to be starting to uh, light up some of those Capricorn placements. Um, we're going to be seeing a conjunction uh, of the moon and Jupiter later in the evening. But before that, very early in the day, moon is, the moon's going to be making a supportive trine to Uranus in Taurus. Okay? Uranus in Taurus, right there. Right, so that we may find that some kind of innovative quality comes into our day, uh, but it may come through uh, some kind of innovative limitation with the moon in Capricorn. Uh, the moon has some difficulty manifesting when it's in exile in Capricorn, but in this case, our practicality, excuse me, may serve us well. So the limits that we are trying to work within may uh, bring us some kind of innovative solution to a very tangible problem that we're working with. Okay, uh, the moon is going to be sextiling Pisces Venus 
at 8.52 p.m. You can see that supportive sextile. So again, anytime we see a sextile with earth and water signs, this is kind of bringing some fertility into the picture here, uh, watering the garden, so to speak. So that may be a nice aspect that we're experiencing. And then very late in the evening, the moon is going to conjoin Jupiter at 11 degrees, as you can see here. Okay, so it's going to give us maybe a progress report on some of the the expansive yet contractive hard work that we're doing with Jupiter in its fall. Okay, uh, the other thing that's going on on this day, I'll clear everything out here, is that Mercury is moving into the second decan of Aquarius at 10 degrees of Aquarius. See that right there? Okay, so let's talk about second decan of Aquarius. I'm going to stop my share for a minute here. Now, second decan Aquarius is coinciding or, or having a, some sort of correspondence with the Six of Swords. And in this card, for those of you just listening, are, we see a figure um, on a boat, a, maybe a mother and a child, being ferried across a boat by some sort of, uh, oh, I don't know, oarsman or something like that. So this, this uh, is talking, this card and this deck in particular are talking about um, transitions and uh, the, the, the space in between the known and the unknown, okay? The, uh, the known and the unknown. That's, that's a good way of thinking about this. This was called, uh, Austin Coppett calls this heaven and earth. Um, Alistair Crowley called this science in book T. Uh, and we are bridging um, the, of course, we're, we're bridging the, uh, the, the conscious and the subconscious. Uh, we are seeing Mercury becoming more inventive in this space because we're going into kind of this universal consciousness and being able to bring ideas back and forth. This is a, the, maybe the quality of the inventor or somebody who is able to see outside the normal scripts of life and bring something into being that, that isn't quite in the norm. Remember, inventors and people who are very progressive, um, a lot of them felt exiled for a long time. There are plenty of people who were, were sort of before their time, right, and didn't get the appreciation that they uh, deserved because their ideas were not part of the accepted norms of societal norms of the day. And uh, that could be very, very painful sometimes. But a lot of these folks um, went and did it anyway because they knew that it was more in alignment with a universal truth rather than an earthly societal truth. I think that's something that our thoughts may be moving back and forth between what is the universal truth and how do we bring it down and, and ground it on the earth uh, in, in our society, right? Um, I like to think of the bird that, I, oh, that is just popping up in my mind as the nuthatch. Uh, for those of you un unfamiliar with the nuthatch, it's like a little woodpecker. And it basically, it, it, it climbs down trees. And some of the spiritual um, connotations of that nuthatch are bringing spiritual ideas down onto the earth. They, they can, they're very versatile. They can go in a lot of different directions. But a lot of times you'll see them climbing up and down trees, uh, which is kind of rare for a bird being able to do that. Um, so maybe there's something where you are able to dive into the universal consciousness and bring some sort of idea back to your society. And, and remember, Aquarius was the water bearer or the water pourer where we're bringing, a, it was like a Promethean gift that was being given to society, right? And, and sometimes you suffer for that gift. So um, 
the rebellious quality of Aquarius comes where uh, you may not get credit for what you're doing, right? Leo is the one that where you get the credit and you get all the attention and you become special. Uh, but when things are in Aquarius, you kind of have to do the right thing and despite not getting the recognition that you might deserve. Okay, so that may be part of the quality of this Mercury moving through this phase is going back and forth between that spiritual and, and physical consciousness and being okay with doing it because it is more in alignment with your with your soul rather than doing it to get the accolades. Okay. One thing to consider. Okay. Let's move forward on to Thursday. On Thursday, January 23rd, we have our final balsamic moon day. Uh, and we see, let me move the day forward here. Okay. Thursday, the 23rd, um, you can see that the moon has not yet conjoined with the sun. It's kind of that final releasing of light. And the moon is going to be making a sextile to Neptune very early in the day at 7.19 p.m. at 16 degrees of Capricorn and Pisces. It will then uh, conjoin Pluto at 7.18 around the same time. Sorry, those things might be happening. Let's see. Actually, the Pluto conjunction happens first then the Saturn conjunction at, at 9.08 p.m. Um, and the other two non-lunar aspects we have, they, again, that, that's going to be lighting up that Saturn-Pluto area of your chart where you may have been experiencing a very powerful change, a very powerful consolidation, uh, and the moon is going to be activating that and shining some light on, on that situation on Thursday. Kind of, it's, a, it's kind of a great day for letting go of things because it's a balsamic moon day as well. So we may be just kind of wrapping up kind of some of the, the more of the more prominent events that we may be experiencing in the last few weeks. Uh, so we have some non-lunar aspects, important non-lunar aspects this day as well. The first one is the sun making a square to Uranus. Okay. So sun's going to be squaring Uranus. And that is where we might be seeing some conflict in our ability to, to um, forge a sense of identity to command this authority this is uh, our, our ability to command authority is weakened with the sun and in aquarius because we're not really able to do it from this more individualistic perspective we're having to do it taking into account the needs of the collective and that can be uh, a little it's it's like the king that really has to serve is very beholden to his um to his uh, subjects and you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means that uh, you may not get your way <laughs> as much as you you would like. Um, and here we see some sort of, like, remember I talked about that rebellious quality being outside of the, the norm, coming into contact with the planet that is associated with, with rebellion itself and breakthroughs or breakdowns. So this could be willful or eccentric behavior on your part or on the part of others over the Taurus and, and Aquarius parts of your chart. Um, there could be something unexpected that happens whenever we see uh, important contacts with Uranus. Uh, it, it's very difficult to predict uh, where that could be um, 
where that could be happening is something unexpected. And even when, as astrologers, when you see what part of the chart this could be in, it's always a little bit shocking. It's like the lightning bolt of awareness that happens. And in this case, it could be a little bit disruptive because it's a square, right? It could be something that is a somewhat of an unwelcomed experience, right? Whereas other times we have breakthroughs that are a little bit more um, positive, right? Um, this could be a feeling of restlessness. There could be uh, something where an authority figure uh, who is not um, very noble, right? What, because the sun is in its exile, is doing something unexpected or abusing power. This could be a, a, a very unexpected abuse of power where you know, there is some sort of, uh, I guess in Ren Butler's book, they call it um, manic self-celebration. <laughs> I thought that was a nice uh, way of describing it. Um, you know, sometimes we see people with uh, Aquarius sun placements, historical figures, really abusing power, um, where they become, you know, very kind of... Uh, dictators of some sort where they're not really in service of their subjects they are abusing that uh solar quality okay and becoming very like you know because it's a saturn ruled sign that could be you know something where they're you know instead of creating vitality with their leadership they're creating death they're creating decay they're creating uh, boundaries and, and authoritarian like qualities where they're um you know you know, I don't know, they're very Saturnian instead of very solar, which is in the antithesis of life, right? All right. Uh, the other non-lunar aspect we see on Thursday is a sextile between Venus and Jupiter perfecting, okay? This is happening about 11 degrees of Pisces and Capricorn sextile, right? And this is happening very early in the morning as well, 8.07 a.m. The, the Sun-Uranus square, we're probably going to feel the lead up to that more on Wednesday because this is a very early aspect in the day, 1.54 a.m. So you're going to feel the build up to this probably Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, but we're going to see this perfection of this Venus-Jupiter sextile, uh, 8.07 a.m. And... This could be, again, this could be something where we're watering the garden, so to speak, when we have the combination of, of earth and water. And uh, I'd like to think of this, I see this a lot in natal charts, where when someone has some really positive Venus action, uh, like a sextile or something like that, they get support from, from women in their life. Like one of the universal significators of women was Venus. So there could be some positive support that you receive in the in the Jupiter area, Jupiter Pisces area of your chart, um, the Jupiter ruled area of Pisces in your chart with Venus exalted there. So perhaps like in, in this chart, this is a, uh, this is a, a uh, Virgo ruled chart. So you see that we may see uh, some women uh, in the seventh house area, perhaps partnership, uh, perhaps the marriage partner, perhaps the business partner providing some benefit to the to the uh, fifth house here of creative projects or of children or things like that. Like so, the Virgo risings out there, your spouse may be really doing some some good things for your kids or helping you with a creative project, or you may have a business partner that's helping you get your creativity out there or something like that. Um, Jupiter is in the it's a superior sextile here, um, 
but this should be a positive aspect all around, okay, with the two benefics there. All right, let's take a look at Friday. On Friday, January 24th, this is where we see the balsamic moon become new at 4.41 p.m. Um, first, let's go through the lunar aspects of this day, the, the only one being the moon making a square to Uranus. So let, let's talk about this holistically here because we have a new moon happening at four degrees of Aquarius, first decade, and it is going to be co-present with Mercury, right? Not in a super tight conjunction, but Mercury is in the mix, and it's all going to be squaring Uranus in Taurus and making a positive sextile to Mars in Sagittarius, okay? So this one could be... Uh, there could be some unexpected events that come up with this one. This is another another thing where we see, we're getting kind of a new a new energetic cycle, right? With the with the new moon, uh, some new impulses from from the moon conjoining the sun. And this is this go back to that five of swords energy, right? Where there may be some kind of conflict that you where you break free from something, especially with the square to Uranus. It's a pretty squ tight square to Uranus. So there might be something where you have an unexpected break from somebody or there's a, um, a conflict over how you're using your resources. And there may be a need to have a more universal perspective with, with these all three, this stack of, of planets in Aquarius, um, being able to see the big picture instead of being able to, you know, just come from a, a self-centered perspective. That, that could, would benefit you at, at, at this point, not seeing it just from your own subjective perspective. And sometimes, you know, one, things that you, one of the things that you can do to get that objective perspective is bounce your ideas off of somebody else. Ask a friend. Uh, ask a, maybe a couple friends if you're seeing things accurately. Get some feedback from the people in your life. Ask questions. Be curious like the scientists. This was the, you know, the, the second decade of Aquarius was science, right? And with, with science... One of the things that you do in the scientific method is you, you form a hypothesis and you ask some questions and you look for evidence, okay? So that, that could be the way to navigate this uh, time of year is looking for the evidence in your life and trying to be as objective as you, as you possibly can. A lot of the times scientists don't interject themselves into their experiments. So be, be willing to experiment with your life and try to look at it from a perspective that isn't just from your own um, unique singular perspective look at it from maybe how all the pieces are fitting fitting together like a like a puzzle okay all right um this is a fixed air sign too so we may get some we may get very attached to some of our ideas and that may be the other thing that creates conflict is where we get we get really attached to our idealized ideas one of the things that i really learned from my studies with achutabhava and nightly astrology was his 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 thoughts on air signs being more the perfectionists uh, of the zodiac than like things like Virgo, right? Um, because the air signs are uh, attached to the, the 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 forms of things, the idealized the, like the idealized Platonic forms of things, where we could see you know according to Plato's philosophy that you know everything on this earthly plane was a imperfect version of an idealized form in some sort of divine realm, right? And the earth signs speak to that very prominently 
where we can kind of get attached to the idealized divine form of things and maybe get disappointed in the way that it's playing out in in reality. And Aquarius, maybe, you know, a lot of times when we see prominent Aquarian placements, we have um, either individuals or collectives getting disappointed with the rules of society and saying, we need to change this. We need to rebel. We need to create a new order. Um, a lot of the you know, qualities of like, the downside of that is, is perhaps in this, the quest for idealizing fairness, okay? One of the Aquarian ideals, we, tend to, we could tend to homogenize things and lose our sense of individuality. Right with the sun in its exile, we're losing our individual natures in favor of the collective. So that could be one of the dangers of this: is losing your sense of self um, because of an attachment to a, a higher purpose that you have. So just be aware of that, and that, of course, is going to be running into how you manage your resources in the Taurus-ruled area of your chart. All right, so that's our new moon, 4:41 p.m. Uh, this five of swords is the Venus rule decan, and Venus is in good shape right now, so that may be helping out a little bit. Okay. Uh, one of the questions, I had a few questions that I wrote down for this new moon. Um, this is a decan that I, and, and I've been doing research, of course, with Austin's book and the book of Toth, which is Alistair Crowley's book, and I do research with Ren Butler's book. And one of the questions that kept coming up is, what are you willing to sacrifice and what aren't you willing to sacrifice for your ideals? And that, that's going to be a question that we're all going to be asking ourselves collectively and on an individual level. Sometimes being the exiled person means leaving something behind. So you may be asked to leave something behind in your search for perfection. And I would caution you to that make sure that what you're leaving behind in your search for perfection is, is in alignment with, with what your true goals are, um, in alignment with who you are as an individual as well. So it can be very easy to get swept up in this collective consciousness, um, but make sure that you're, it's about, it's balance, right? You want to retain your collective, or your, I'm sorry, your individual self within the collective. You don't have to completely subsume your individuality to be part of the group. You've got to be a light within the group. So that's something that, that we'll be thinking about over the course of Aquarius season is how do we, you know, find an, some sort of, uh, I don't know, higher purpose, but also retain the light of our own individual soul within it. All right. Because if we go too far in either direction, that's a recipe for unhappiness. We can get the narcissism of, you know, going too far in the individualistic, subjective way. And we can go feel like we're, you know, losing our sense of self if we just sacrifice everything too. Like it's, it's, it's a balance. All right. Let's take a look at our weekend here. That was Friday. On the 25th. On the 25th, we're moving through our new moon phase. We're separating out. Uh, by the end of the day, the moon will be out of its um, condition called being under the bond. Remember, when the, when the moon is within 15 degrees of either side of a new moon or full moon, that was a weakened condition for the moon where it was said to be under the bond, where it's more difficult to bring things into manifestation. That's where we're getting like the new impulse, but we're not necessarily required to like act upon it yet. So I think at new moons, we don't want to like do a bunch of things yet. We want to just sit with that energy and, and, and uh, reflect on it, I would say, 
and figure out what our plan is going to be. So that's, that's, what, that's what I do during new moons is I, I don't want to take premature action, like when the moon is under the bond. I just tend to observe, and this is a great time to be the observer, especially with an Aquarius new moon. Observe what's going on in your life without necessarily feeling the need to take some sort of you know, perhaps Uranian action right away. Sometimes when you're required to make big changes in your life, it's good to sit with them for a little while so that you can really see how you can make um, a more well-informed action, a more efficient action, even if it's something that is outside of the norm and requiring uh, a breakthrough of some sort. Um, it's okay to take a few deep breaths before doing what needs to be done. And we're going to see that reflected with our Moon being sextiled with Mars here, positive communication between the moon and Mars of the planet of action. We may be able to see get some Sagittarian fire in the mix here, and the air of the Aquarius moon is going to be fueling some of the actions that we're taking with the fire sign of, a, of a Sagittarius with Mars being there. That's at 1.34 p.m. At 2.06 p.m., the moon is making a conjunction to Mercury at 15 degrees. You can see that kind of happening here. Well, we may get some really great ideas about what our next steps are, okay? Something where that could be really supported. Um, and then at the, the end of the day, at 8.09 p.m., we're going to be seeing a sextile between Mercury and Mars. So the moon and Mercury, the moon is really going to be really activating that that mercurial sextile with Mars. And this could be where we're feeling a really a surge of mental energy and determination. We could have some decisiveness in our communications. It also could lead to a little bit of rashness and heatedness in our words. Um, some of the images that came up of this in, in Ren Butler's book were protest songs, um, aggressive humor. Some of the things that I thought of along those lines is uh, satire, right? Uh, the Mars in in Sagittarius and Sagittarius in general, the Jupiter ruled sign tends to exaggerate things. Sagittarian humor is very satirical, where it blows things out of proportion, whereas mercurial humor is more about diminishing things and making less of something. Where, but but when we have like, uh, <laughs> like I like to think of the movie Idiocracy, right, where they're, uh, which. Unfortunately, we're seeing some of Mike Judge's prophetic uh, exaggerations coming into being. Uh, of course, that movie was about a man who gets kind of like, I don't know, time travels or is cryogenically frozen and wake up, wakes up 500 years in the future where um, all the dumbest people on the face of the earth have started to procreate more than the intelligent people and the collective IQ has gone down significantly to the point where he is now a person of average intelligence is now the smartest person in the world. And uh, without spoiling things, he, he helps them, uh, you know, create uh, some, a bit, an ability to be more functional. I, one of the jokes in there is that they've, they've started uh, watering all the crops with Gatorade because electrolytes have what the plants need. <laughs> and he's like, hey, maybe instead of uh, watering the plants with Gatorade, you should start watering those plants with water. And that was like a very, and they were like, from the toilet? <laughs> like, so it's pretty, I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazingly funny movie, but also kind of sad in its, uh, <laughs> the way that we're seeing um, some of the things play out uh, in that movie. Uh, a wrestler or a reality TV star became president and we're seeing the same thing kind of playing out now. 
in our own reality, which is, um, yeah, stranger than fiction, right? Um, so we, that may be something that we're seeing with Mercury and, and Mars getting a sextile from uh, this Aquarius, you know, ruled sign of the exile and this Jupiterian uh, expander that is blowing things out of proportion. Also be careful not to get too grandiose in your ideas with this because this could be, you could get really idealistic and like, I want to take action on my ideals. This could be where you're, you know, you want to go fly to Washington, D.C. and join the protest movement, which, you know, if that's, if that's your, your journey, that's okay. Um, maybe that's what is needed in this, these times. Um, but just be careful that, that you're, you know, taking into consideration your, it's a, whatever effect it has on the rest of your, your life as well. Okay. On Sunday, the 26th, Sunday, the 26th, the moon is moving from Aquarius into Pisces at 6.43 p.m., continuing our new moon phase. And the big aspect of this day is the square between Mars and Venus. Here we see Mars and Sagittarius squaring Venus in Pisces with a pretty tight conjunction to Neptune. Okay, so not only is Mars squaring Venus, but Neptune's in the mix here. So this is definitely where we are coming into conflict between the actions that we want to take based on our belief system, okay, based on our unified belief where we want things to merge into this, this unified whole and where we are trying to find ways to be receptive with Venus here in Pisces. Uh, this is kind of the, a classic conflict between the, the dream and how we implement the dream and maybe we're taking an action um, aggressively where, where we're really being asked to be receptive. This is something where also with Venus in the mix here, this could be a conflict with, uh, with when we get the combination of Venus and, and Mars, this could be related to sexual desire. Or this could be a very lusty combination, so be very careful of that. Um, there could be uh, a craving to go have fun or have an adventure, and, and there may be some sort of uh, um, disunity between what you really imagine this is going to be like and the reality of what it could be like. Be careful not to rush into any relationships with this because it may not turn out the way that you think it will. Um, this could be a very impulsive uh, type of uh, aspect with these two planets. This is really the, the conflict between receiving and pursuing, right? Venus is the re receptive quality. Mars is the active principle. Uh, this could also trigger some jealousy or possessiveness too with Mars and, and Venus in the mix here and Neptune. Um, remember, I, I talked about this at the beginning of this video. Mars is overcoming Venus. So there's some sort of, some sort of conflict where Mars really kind of has the upper hand. Uh, you may sustain some injury to a relationship based on uh, potentially being a little bit too blunt or too honest. Uh, Sagittarian is looking for truth. Uh, Venus in Pisces is not necessarily uh, concerned with uh, expressing an outer truth, but more of an inner spiritual truth. So there may be a conflict between the way that these truths are communicated. Your imagination is coming into conflict with um, the actions that you're taking out in the world. And, you know, this is something where there could be some sort of injury sustained in a relationship due to that. So just be very, very careful about how you're communicating with your, all of the people in your life, whether they're business partners, romantic partners, things like that. Try not to get too idealistic about 
um, your expectations for what you want the relationship to be. And don't use your words as weapons either. That would be my other advice is this is a very, this could be a very self-righteous type of Mars where we're really like saying, this is what I believe. And, and, you know, this is, you know, but you believe this and you're not being realistic and all that. And your, your words could spark some sort of conflict. So just be very aware that that is a possibility on Sunday and try to find compromise, right? Try to find some sort of way where you are actively observing and listening to the people in your life. It's amazing what can happen when you uh, open both of your ears and listen and ask questions. It'll be, this is a great time to ask questions if you are having a relationship challenge and trying to see the bigger picture rather than just spouting off all of your uh, Sagittarian beliefs and saying, well, I believe it and I'm going to stick by it because I said it, right? This is, this is a great time to, to be objective within your relationships as well and use that beautiful Mercury and, and Sun combination here to, you know, avert any larger crises, all right? And, you know, Venus is going to be making a conjunction to Neptune on Monday too. So you may not be realistic about what's going on. You may, you may also feel like you're in a fantasy, you're in a dream, um, but you might not want to take action uh, that is irreversible based on the dream. Okay. Does that make sense? Because you may, there's always a morning after. Okay. This is like, this could be like the one night stand type of aspect. Uh, so just be real careful um, that, you know, you don't take an action that, that where you wake up the next day and you're like, oh my goodness, what have I done? Um, this is not what I thought it was. And this is something where I have, I, I'm, think, I'm thinking of Job from uh, Arrested Development where he, he looks, he always has these like actions that he takes very impulsively. And then he looks in the camera and he's like, I've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> like, he's committed to something really like awkward and weird and, and uh, he's realizing it. So don't be Job, be Michael. Okay. Be Michael, be Jason Bateman in that circumstance where he's always the voice of reason. Okay. in that, in that show, very funny. All right. Okay. I think that's about what I've got for you today. Um, stop my share here. Looking ahead to next week, the 27th through the 2nd. Of course, Venus is going to be making that conjunction to, to Neptune very early in the week. Then Mars is going to be making its own square to Neptune. Um, we'll be experiencing a first quarter moon. And then Venus will be sextiling Pluto. Mm, super fun. Uh, so that's what we've got for next week. Um, thank you all for, for sticking with me today. Um, make sure that you like the video and share or subscribe, share it with your friends. There's a Venmo and a PayPal me link if you'd like to donate to help uh, production of future episodes of the show. And I hope that you're having a very good week and happy Aquarius season. Take care, everyone. Peace.